Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Such sights to show you. Strange Eons. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric Margaret over there. Hello. I'm Kelly Young. We are your co hosts on this journey into the fantastic. Hey, man, I'm a little pissed. Uh oh. Yeah. What the hell do I do now? Not you, this time, surprisingly. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I, you know, fucking Facebook is such a just <laughs> trash fire, and I, I hate most yes. of the people I'm friends with. <laughs> Not the people I don't Facebook know. Facebook friends, you mean? <laughs> no, the people I am Facebook friends with are generally fine. It's my actual real friends <laughs> who feel the need to comment on shit. I'm just like, what the fuck? So I had, uh, I had commented about a movie... A uh, movie that you and I are going to talk about a little bit later. And I had said, you know, hey, this movie was stupid, whatever, you know. And <laughs> Oh, I think I, know the, <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this one. Yeah, go ahead. Let's and see if I'm guy, on the right page. I've only, I've, I've met him a couple of times in the real world. But he is um, <laughs> the husband of somebody that I'm connected to business-wise. Okay. So I don't really know him at all. The literally the only time he shows up on my page is to post some kind of snarky, bitchy comment, <laughs> you know, in nice. direct opposition of whatever I have written. I have started blocking him, and then sure. every once in a while I will unblock it. And every time I've done that, he's posted something shitty. So he he did it again this time, and so I I posted a really shitty comment afterwards. And then I thought, what am I doing? Uh, so I just unfriended him, and <laughs> it's like fuck this. I don't need this shit in my life. That sounds good. I'm I'm waiting yeah, to no. see uh, what this does with the relationship I have with his wife, who I've worked with on some things, and I would love to continue working with. But we'll see if this puts a dent in that. There's there's more complex uh, more complex couples out there that have figured out how to work when one person is working with someone the other person hates. You know, like in, if you go government, we can go Kellyanne Conway and her husband right. have definite issues, and they figured it out. So Right, and I know that your wife hates you <laughs> so, and, and loves me. So. Severely, yes. <laughs> she said so. What, you know that? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. What's going on in your world, brother? What are you up to lately? Oh, let's see. Uh, boy, which ones do I want to talk about? I won't go into too many details, but, and it wasn't a, turned out not to be a big deal, but I did spend five hours the other night in urgent care, and that's just always a, honestly, the Overlake urgent care we go to, everybody we've ever worked, dealt with that worked there has been freaking fantastic. So it's not like I want to go regularly, (laughs) but it's nice to know that they're not a bunch of assholes who are just going to ignore you and go on with their day. So there's that excitement. (laughs) Nobody's getting operations or dying, though, so it's, okay. it was, it's an urgent, not emergency, so right. we're all good. Right, I know that you are pre-op right now, so I was That's wondering right. if maybe something right. was going on that way, but it appears that everything's fine and you're still set. If things are going well. <laughs> Did you see that the Wachowski... Sisters. ...are no longer referred to as that oh, anymore, okay. either? okay. I, no, I had not. They, well, they were being referred to as the Wachowskis. They are now right. referred to as Wachowski Starship. And I am not fucking with you. Sure, why not? What the hell? 
Mm-hmm. We they, built this city. <laughs> they can make the, the Jefferson Starship. They were Starship, just Starship for a while. So, yes. you know, they can team up and they do the Jefferson Starship Airplane. movie. Then they That's were right. Jefferson Starship. Then they were Starship. Yes. And now they're... I think they went back to Jefferson Starship, didn't I, they? I don't think. I mean, whoever's touring with them now, I don't think that the singer is with them anymore. Oh, okay. So I know Grace isn't, but also Mickey yeah. somebody. He's no longer with them, so... So, Wachowski's... I can't even say their regular Wachowski Starship can do the Starship biopic. You know, you got Queen, you got Elton John. You got to get the one that oh. for a while was the worst song in the history of the world, according to the internet. What was that? The oh. one you sang. That's right. We built this city. <laughs> um, fuck, man. With the uh, with the success of uh, Rocket Man. Uh, how uh, how many band movies are we going to be seeing now? Oh, you in got the next... Queen and you got Elton John back to back. Yeah, years. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of them. And and the Dirt. Yeah, the Dirt did really well. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon we'll be getting a a Poison, Poison. movie. Van Halen. I'm sure. Van Halen would actually be that, really good. That would be fun. That one I'd watch. And uh, of the ones I haven't read as much of his book yet, but uh, well, Sammy Hagar. Of course, his would be a feel-good tell-all where everything yeah. goes right for you in your life. <laughs> I know. You know, he had a couple of rough years in the beginning, yes, but he's, yeah, he's he done all right for himself. Yeah, he figured did it out. Did you see that he, uh, he sold Cabo Wabo for $80 million? The, the tequila brand? Just the tequila brand, not his Cabo Wabo. Okay, it's like his, his facility. Wow, that's, uh, I'd imagine that's a fair profit margin. <laughs> I would think so. And also, you know, you see him, he's out playing, you know, he does... A shed tour, so at yeah. the most he's getting fifteen thousand people show up, and that's when it's at a big city, you know, here on the west coast. Right, he's playing to three thousand to five thousand people, and you, you you start kind of feeling bad for him, and you're like, God, he needs the money, and you realize he does not yeah. need the money. <laughs> he's got eighty million dollars from his Cabo Wabo tequila. He does this because he fucking loves. He's just it. having fun. Him and Anthony toured there for Michael Anthony. Tour yeah. for a while, and they're on tour right now. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, what's well, like when we saw Paul Stanley on his solo career? You know, he didn't need, he doesn't need the money. He was playing was what weird. the um, the showbox, the showbox, yeah, which is a small room for anybody that's not in Seattle. It's a small room, maybe eight, nine hundred. Me, I. I'd say you're really pushing it if it's over 700 people. Yeah, you're probably right. It's, it's <laughs> intimate, we like yes. to say. But, you know, hey, if you like Paul Stanley. That was really cool. That was a blast. <laughs> so Let's see. What else? Oh, I do have a book follow-up. If oh. you remember a few weeks ago, I was trying to remember the time-traveling book that I read. Oh, right, right. Uh, it's uh, called Replay by Ken Grimwood. And uh, it's, that was the one I was trying to think of. I was like, it's like I'm pretty sure it's not Skip Inspector because I usually know their books. and. This I've is, never heard of this guy. Yeah, I just read the one book, and I don't think I've read anything else by him, but it's it's a really interesting book of kind of groundhog daying it, but on an extreme level, because it's decades that he lives and then relives. Huh. Interesting. Hey, that reminds me. I have a redaction. Okay. Um, because I Hold listened. on. You said something wrong? <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, so when I was talking about Pale Rider in our last episode i was re-listening yeah. to the episode and i got to it's you know we do this and i just kind of blah 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 and then uh, sometimes <laughs> i listen to it afterwards and go what was i thinking or how come i couldn't remember that word or how the fuck did i know that word <laughs> but uh, i never do that <laughs> yeah on on pale writer i totally blew the ending of that and i was thinking to myself i think it was high plains drifter you said was his other yeah the other ghost one yeah and i i 
totally said the ending for that movie, not the ending for Pale oh. Rider. He does not disappear into the sun in Pale Rider. He uh, he starts climbing into the mountains, which I also think is some kind oh. of. Sure. metaphor for heading back up to heaven or something it is in fact high plains drifter that he is wandering into the heat wave and then he disappears ah, okay so. well it's been too long to say saw either one to contradict you so i'm like oh, all right sure let's so. talk tv tv i've heard of that <laughs> you have anything specific you want to dive into because yeah well we can't talk swamp thing because you've been a lazy bastard that's right but not that lazy because you started watching what uh chernobyl Mm-hmm. Holy shit, have you seen that? I've seen some of the stuff, but I've seen mostly a lot of people talking about it and how amazing it is and depressing. Yeah, it's a lot to watch. It actually made my stomach hurt at times. It's so hard to watch as far as the stories they're telling, but it is incredibly compelling, ridiculously well told. I'm in three season, three episodes in. It's only five. I am not watching more than one at a time, though. I'm not. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna binge this one, man. You don't want all of your depression oh, at once. Jesus. Yeah, I like to spread out my depression. <laughs> good thinking. And looking it up, it's apparently very, very accurate. Historically speaking, it nails all of the major stuff that happens. There was a somebody posted a thing that was side by side comparisons of pictures of reality and the show. And as far as a movie matching reality, they were really, really good. Mm. And I was like, the you know, obviously there's going to be differences, right? But the story of how it happened and the just the insistence that nope, this can't happen. Nuclear power plants do not do what this did, and all that stuff, and then the horrifying effects of it there's a a shot in one thing where the cloud from chernobyl is just going over trees and as it passes over the trees all the trees underneath it die and it's just like holy shit (laughs) it was so much worse than we were led to believe i mean i'm sure there are people that say dude they're in the books that said all this stuff fine i didn't study chernobyl (laughs) right as far as the outward news coverage and the stuff we got it was a lot more horrifying than we were led on. Man, the storytelling is really good. The acting and ever, everything is A-plus effort on this show. Well, well worth watching. I don't recommend drinking heavily while watching it. <laughs> That's the only way I do anything, so I guess it's <laughs> out for me then. Well, I won't talk then about Swamp Thing except to say that I enjoyed the second episode. And uh, I'm a little bummed that you know it's going away, but I also have an inside... What do I want to call it? A a mole on the inside. I happen to know someone who's banging somebody on the crew. (laughs) And she was telling me that we've got an episode coming up. Well, at least that person she was with is not very pleased with. And he had to do some stuff to make (laughs) it look better than the director had. Is this a fix it in post kind of thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. (laughs) heard of this (laughs) yeah and so um but also he he was complaining to her that this particular director was an idiot and and he had you know (laughs) nobody on the crew was very happy with him doing this one particular episode so we've got at least one bad episode coming up (laughs) and uh she was there when all of the money had been pulled yeah and so they were they were all freaking out quite a bit on how they were going to sure. um, squeeze the last three episodes into one episode, which oh, does geez. not sound great to me. But also, um, speaking to her just lately, she was saying 
all of them still very hopeful that somebody like Netflix will come in and pick it up for a second season. So that's interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say, that was DC, so you know you don't have to worry about Disney. Right. Disney won't be there to pick it up, but uh, yeah, because I don't think the DC channel is long for... Uh, it doesn't at least, sound like it, does yeah, it? Yeah, at least in its current state. They've got zero long-term plan. <laughs> well, I that'll mean, do it. This kind of thing, Shudder rolled out this kind of channel the right way. You yeah. know, When it came out, it had a handful of things on it mm-hmm. uh, with a promise of, hey, we're doing our best to get this up to something that you'd like. Slowly but surely, they've started putting out their own original programming. You know, yeah. they're not they're not dumping a ton of money yeah. right into it, and then wondering why nobody's buying it. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, going out and just nabbing a huge title like grabbing Mandy, right. or something like that, so they get a nice high profile thing. And so I'd imagine they probably probably lost money kind of on Manny, but it's sort of that lost leader thing where you sell something for $2 that costs $20 everywhere else because you know people are going to come in and buy $150 worth of shit from you. Well, I think that's what DC Universe was hoping to do, but not enough people jumped on it. And, you know, part of it is because all of the stuff that they're offering has been readily available except for, you know, when they first jumped out with Titans. Titans was great. Unless you were comfortable paying $8 to watch that weekly, then you weren't going to be joining their streaming Yeah, service. it's probably like what I did with the first Star Trek one. I waited till it was all out and right. joined CBS for a month and watched the whole thing and it was done. Because that way you drop even like a, another buck or two more or whatever it is so you get it commercial free. Yeah. If you're only doing it for a month, like, might as well. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm hopeful... I'm still looking forward to watching all of this. I thought that first couple episodes were really cool. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes from there. Cool. What about you on TV? I am TV light on this particular one, largely because I just scrambled with finding a creature feature kind of thing I wanted to represent. There's so many good ones. I think I tried to out-clever myself a little bit and ended <laughs> up with a, a bunch of good movies okay. <laughs> but nothing i'm going man this one is really something people gotta see well in that case let me just mention real quick uh nosferatu on amc what what is this now this is joe hill's book nos oh, okay. nos okay. 4a2 yeah. right the license plate uh says nosferatu and it's yeah. about kind of an energy vampire i'm four episodes in it's it's not the best series i've ever watched it's certainly it's got a lot of that amc power behind it so it looks great and it's acted well it's a bit of a snooze fest sometimes and they're stretching the story way out they've got 10 episodes and they're only doing the first half of the book i was gonna say isn't it like a 900 page book or something like that it is but you could tell a 900 page story in 10 hours I yeah think. well yeah that's, it's like why stretch it out why not just fill oh, it with what's I have good an idea. There. What, let me think why would second second season it's for the second season okay yeah. if it does really well then he'll just go go continue on in some other form well yeah i know that's <laughs> that's what i'm afraid of is yeah. that we'll get a third season that's the new adventures of charlie manx but uh, one thing I should mention, which I think is kind of interesting, and this is the way you do your streaming service right. AMC, if you watch it just on regular TV, you're getting these every week. If you use the AMC app, all episodes available now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's kind of huh. interesting. A few a few streaming TV sites have kind of started to figure out. the. I mean, the only thing, the only thing that's frigging keeping me is that, you know, both Dean and I are sports fans. So, right. uh 
I really wish the NFL would and the baseball would figure their crap out and just create streaming services. Yeah, it seems weird that that's not available. I, yeah. I guess I thought that that was. No, it huh. is sort of. The problem is years ago they started MLB on demand and NFL, whatever it's called, and you pay for it. But they have the idea is so you could watch your out of network fans. Like if you're a Mariners fan, but you live in Minneapolis, you can watch all the Mariners fans. But if you're a Mariners fan and you live in Seattle, you can't watch them. Well, they blacked it out yeah, because they, you're going to be forced into watching our local yeah, affiliate. Exactly. They got uh, local blackouts. So that just is a pain in the ass. So there's, it's still that way. They still do that. And hmm. it's like, eh. I, I don't care about right. <laughs> watching the Yankees or something. So. Okay, well, um, let's pop into some movies then. I saw a couple of movies. I know you saw a couple of movies. <laughs> yeah, almost all creature films. Let's see. Would you like me to begin then? Sure. So a low-budget one that is, you know, you ever once while I see that low-budget looks pretty cool. So, oh, man, maybe I'll find a nice diamond. I found a decent emerald. Uh, the Book of Monsters. I have not heard of this. This is an indie put out, I believe it's distributed by um, Dread Central. As you know, they do those mini tours of theaters around now. Right. I think this was one of theirs. I did all right. It's seventy five fifty eight through the Rotten Tomatoes discretionary fund. $80,000 budget. So, you know, it's definitely a low budget kind of one. Directed by a guy named Stuart Sparkle. Okay. <laughs> he also directed The Creature Below. Uh, written by Pale Butler, starring... Probably people you haven't heard of, Lindsay Crane, a few others. It's it's uh, teenage British actors, so they're not a lot that I've run into. <laughs> but the idea is that it's another, I found a book. For, uh, she found a book from her mom who turned out her mom was a demon hunter. And the book of monsters, if used incorrectly, calls forth monsters. <laughs> Wait a second. That sounds like it would be being used Correctly, yes, you know, but so then she has to fight the monsters and stuff. It's a it's at a party, and the so there's lots of victims to be taken out. The blood and stuff is very the effects are actually nicely well done. Some of the creature looks are well done, some are very uh derivative of other things. Like, uh, I kind of think it's time to stop using a creature, an, a real animal skull as the head of your creature. You know, which is actually covering a robe or something like that, but you've got the head of a buffalo or right, a right. deer or something like that. I would call it a Buffy light in mm. the concept. <laughs> it goes nice with a nice little cliche of the goth-looking kid is the first one to figure out what's kind of going on because, you know, she knows all about the dark side <laughs> of stuff. Right, because she's evil. So, yeah, all right. But it was a fun watch, but it definitely was not... I mean, you didn't see me posting anywhere no. going, everybody go check this out. It was fun. It's worth, I think, Dreads, I could see why Dread Central picked it up to show it and release it. So how, how are we able to watch it? Do we have to rent it? Yeah. Okay. How okay. about you, sir? Well, I saw something that I, I kind of want to talk about. I know you've seen this already, but I just saw it. And uh, oh. it is Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. Oh. It's called Us. Us. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say that I hated this movie, <laughs> but I didn't like it. I didn't get what the buzz was all about because then I jumped on Rotten Tomatoes and it had like a 94% Rotten Tomatoes wow. rating uh, from the critics. Audience has it at low 50s. For me, I don't know if I'd go quite low 50s. I enjoyed it. It was, I mean, it's a step down from Get Out just because Get Out, Get Out's great. 
and it, I mean, it borders on a cultural revolution for <laughs> horror films and all. There's a lot going on with that film. Exactly. I think that 20 years from now, we'll still be talking about Get Out. Yes. I, I don't hear anybody talking about Us right no. now. Us to me was, if I had stumbled upon that, like kind of like um, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Right. If that had been a giant $40 million budget release with advertising all over the place and back, it would have been, oh, this is kind of a fun movie. It's good. It's all right. But to discover that film and watch it realizing, not expecting anything, right? it's really, really good. Are you saying then if Us hadn't been shoved down our throat as the scariest film ever made that I'd have a better reaction to it right now? Could be. It has. It wasn't perfect i enjoyed it i had fun with it largely because about 15 20 minutes in i'm going okay this is just going to be a a a fun little horror film this is not going to be get out or hereditary or anything like that this is just gonna be yeah i mean there was a lot of subtext in it and there's a lot of little hidden stuff in there with the hands across america and the the timing of it and everything like that but i was really put off i guess you could say it was a bold decision for uh, the lead actress to use that particular voice as her counterpart. Yeah, that was a weird voice, and it just it just didn't work me, for you. Took me out completely, and I thought, look, I don't have a problem with the scary voice. This is not a scary voice. It's this a weird voice. A, yeah, it's yeah. almost a silly voice. The, I like the dad. I thought the dad was the most fun character to follow in great. the movie. He was great. I mean, the acting was fantastic. Sure. I just I was just a little bummed, and I'm not saying that. Jordan Peele now has to only make socially relevant horror films or anything like that. But I was expecting the writing, you know, the writing in Get Out is so tight. Yeah, that's true. And this one just did not feel that way. I kind of look at these as, uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the artist. He's a a weird musician who was huge in the 80s, but I wish I could remember his name. But anyways, he came out and he did a gigantic first album. Huge among the critics. Falco. No. Because <laughs> right. I said huge among the critics. But, Rock me, Amadeus. But he's kind, of, he kind of an underground avant-garde artist, I'd say. But anyways, his, he came out, huge, giant album. Second follow-up, massive critical attacks and total, total bomb. And, you, you know, you think about, I was reading an article later about that where they said, well, he had 10, 15 years he was working on that first album. Yeah. He had 10 months for that second album. Yeah, that's generally what happens. And that's kind of how I look at those two. Like, Get Out, he probably worked on a long time. While he was, you know, maybe while he was doing Jordan and, uh, Jordan and Peele and his TV show, maybe he was writing it or working on it for a while. Yeah. And then this one, like, oh, well, I've got this other idea I think is kind of fun. Let's make this. But that could be. I, the biggest problem I had with it was the ending. And not that it's a weird ending. It's that the show don't tell aspect of it where the lady's standing at the blackboard yeah explaining everything they've kind of already shown yeah that was a little off-putting that was uh our audience is stupid so we're going to tell you everything you just watched i'm like yeah i got that from what what you showed right because i'm a smart person and i can tell what's going on in a movie (laughs) that was that's the part that really like okay and as i you watched it what a couple days ago yeah and i watched it when it first came out in the theater I can remember a lot of Get Out. I can remember a lot of Hereditary. Hell, I can remember a lot of it, Autopsy of Jane Doe. I don't remember a lot of us. And I remember some scenes and some stuff, and it was fun, and this was good. But an overall arcing storyline, 
<laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's pretty much how I felt. That's the thing. It's like, well, we could tear it apart like we did. Some episode we'll release our talking about ha- Rob Zombie's Halloween. Right. And you'll hear us actually tear the shit out of something. But Us is better than that. And another one I watched just because, you know, if I watch one that I think I might recommend later, I won't talk about it. This is not <laughs> going to be one of those films. Now, it's fun. But uh, I know you've, I'm sure you've seen it. Rawhead Rex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a 86 and it was a 2940. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, is probably pretty good. It's a, it's almost a good movie. Yeah. There's some stuff in there that's, that's likable. And, you know, I remember when it came out, man, I, you know, I had just discovered Clive. Mm. So when did that come out? 86? 86. Yeah. So I had just discovered Clive. So seeing a movie so quickly coming out uh, and I yeah. remember really digging the short story. Y- yeah. I was pretty disappointed even as a 17 year old horror fiend. The biggest problem it had was, um, well, like Clive Barker, I think the, the creature was just rough. It, it yeah. probably looked really cool in a drawing. Probably really cool in a drawing, but yeesh. It had a lot of the same look as the uh, the wild man from Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Took me a second there, but yes, I think you are correct. Yeah. Parker, uh, Barker described it in his either in the script or in his writing that a nine foot phallus with teeth did oh, not my. look like that <laughs> no <laughs> i imagine the studio saw that and said no that's not what he's going to look like at all <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of like um i watched it remind me uh, let me just yawn right into the microphone sure I'm, just, I'm sure that the audience is as enthralled with this as i am <laughs> um did Clive write and direct that? No, or he wrote. He is he credited as the writer. Hmm. Um, although there is a an uncredited writer, which is, or I'm wondering if there's an uncredited writer called James Kaplan, who the director is George Pavlo, and his writing partner on two other films was this guy named James Kaplan. They both worked on movies called Underworld, not that one, <laughs> or Transmutations. So I'm wondering if like, oh, here's Clive Barker's script. I'm going to let my buddy take a right. run at it. If you watch anything anything scripted by Barker other than this film, they're at least well-written movies. Yeah. So there's, there's something lost in translation there. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the movies I saw, you saw as well, and kind of the theme for this episode was because this movie was coming out. So oh, yeah. what did you think of Godzilla, King of the Monsters? What did I think? I think it had damn near everything you want in a Godzilla monster movie. Generally, the people are kind of annoying and sort of ancillary to the story. Even in like the original Godzilla, it's sort of like, oh, let's get to the monster. Right. <laughs> and the monster fights were, damn. I don't know. What did you think? You are, I like Godzilla. You are much more of a Godzilla Yeah, I'm a Godzilla nerd. There were a lot of things I liked, like King Ghidorah has never looked cooler than in oh, this movie. Man, yeah. He looked amazing, and I really loved that. And I, the monster fights were a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of these movies, when you get something like Transformers or something, I'll be honest, Transformers or even uh, Venom, the final fights in those movies, yeah. I can't really tell what's going on. I'm watching all this movement and looking at it going, I can't see a fucking thing and I don't know what's going on. This I didn't feel like that at all. I thought these big battles were super cool. The 
human element <laughs> I thought was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. I was excited when they had Dr. Sarazawa back and he said yeah. we've got a oxygen destroyer because that harkens all the way back to the very first Godzilla movie. That's how they <laughs> destroyed him in that. And that's how they bring back um, one of his enemies in the later series in the 2000s called uh, Godzilla versus Destoroya. That has something to do with this whole oxygen destroyer thing. And then, you know, they they set it off and that was it. Yeah. Set it off. It killed a whole lot of fish. And, yeah. And, all right. Killed Godzilla. Yeah. But not <laughs> so that anybody really noticed. It's like, well, let's kill Godzilla. 20 minutes later, let's bring him back. <laughs> Man, spoilers. Come on. Uh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I did. I visually... I was honestly a little disappointed because in the trailer, I thought the reveal of Mothra looked so cool. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be more to that reveal in the movie. Yeah. But no, that's pretty much all it is. It's a pretty quick shot of a really cool looking effect. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, Vera Farmiga is the female lead and mm. I absolutely love her. And just felt bad for her in yeah. this. And I was like, boy, this is not a script you want to be saddled with. This is a lot of really stupid dialogue. Yes. And to, to the point where I was thinking to myself, uh, did we even need to see any humans in this? If it's just no. going to be a big, huge monster battle, I would probably have been fine with that. <laughs> I, I think you were right. I think you were right on that. So, you know, I don't know. I know I'm being... A stick in the mud. And this was, um, this was, you know, that Facebook post where I basically had said, hey, this movie is kind of dumb and all this. And uh, this guy gets on and he's like, well, since you stated that as a fact and not an opinion, I will also state this as a fact. You could never have been more wrong. Um, so for him and for all of you out here, hey, everything I say is an opinion. You know, yes, your much. mileage may vary on all of this stuff. Anything talking about a movie or music or whatever. Come on. Right. It's all opinion. Right. Facebook, fuck off. I, I tell you, I tell you, after a little bit of time on Facebook, I need to go to YouPorn and search for group sex just so I can see a bunch of people actually getting along. Hey, however you have to deal is how you have to deal. What is the, I forgot the actor's name. I like him a lot. He's in a, the, he was kind of the lead American in the movie. Yeah, he was the dad from Super 8, and he's been in a ton of TV well, and everything. I can't remember. Friday Night Lights name. was yeah, the big Friday one Night he did, Lights, which I yeah. actually really liked that show. He was really good in that. But He's a his, solid actor. Yeah. He's got a great look about him. Uh, I thought he worked so great in Super 8 because he looks so much like an 80s actor. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> you know, so. It really does. But yeah, I, I didn't love the movie. I guess I thought it was a little better than the 2014 Godzilla, but I yeah. didn't like, you know, the one thing that that first legendary Godzilla has mm -hmm. going for it is the shots of Godzilla are all shot from the perspective of a human. So he looks oh, massive yeah. and you see him just towering over buildings and shit like that. Well, they, they got right up you know, over his shoulder in this, and and I think you lose a lot of the the majesty of these monsters oh, sure. when you're right there. Yeah. Speaking of that, that whole ending shot was a turd, and I was angry. So. Which ending shot in Godzilla? I don't want to give that away. Except are you, are you to talking say about post credits stupid. ending shot? No. Or, okay. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Yeah. You know, Godzilla works best when he is a force of nature that just kind of wanders in yeah. and, and you have to deal with him. 
instead of being a uh, protector of the earth humans and whatever yeah and also you know king. now you know there's some kind of hierarchy within the monsters and you know king of the monsters that's a joke you guys we can call him <laughs> we don't have to actually make him the king doesn't need a little crown uh but what did you think of the post credit sequence I'm looking forward kind to of, it. Kind of like, oh, saw that one coming. Well, right. I mean, there's <laughs> there's hints of that in that final scene. Yeah, the skull, all the Skull Island yeah. talk and stuff. So, yes. So, see, that's only a spoiler if you know what the hell we're talking about. Right, so. that's true. Let's see. I've got another one that I checked out for a possible on here. I didn't write the year, but you certainly know it. The whatever year, Feast. Oh, Feast is a good choice. From John Gulliger. Yeah. And it was right up. On my list of maybes, there's a 57, 60s uh, ratings for that. And that ballooned, it, uh, for any of you who are not familiar with Greenlight. Project Greenlight, Project yeah. Greenlight was a series in, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, maybe? Yeah, I th- I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Feast was the best season yeah. of it. Without doubt. Yeah. And, that is uh, my opinion, though. That's right. So. But for some reason, it's the only one they've never released on DVD. It's the only one you can't get. Is that true? I've yeah, got it on DVD. Are you saying Blu-ray or something? Or? No, you have no, not the movie, the the Project Greenlight series oh, that, that season. So, yeah, you that, can't get okay. because it was on um, Bravo or something like that. It was the first one to not be on HBO. So I was hoping right. they were going to release you know, like the uncut version, because I've I had I don't know if I still do, but I had all the other Project Greenlight discs, um, but I didn't have this one. I, th- I think this is the best season and the most entertaining film to come out of the Project Greenlight. I would agree show. with that. It had to have been the only one that actually made its money back. Well, it only did fifty four thousand in the theater, so I don't know what the theatrical release was for it. It may uh. have been very, very small, and they just said we're just going straight to video with this. They, I don't know. They might have been very annoyed with the because considering it was Bravo and the end content of this movie is fairly graphic. It's a, it's a. Gore fest, yeah, <laughs> with some really uncomfortable <laughs> sexual moments, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting to to find the numbers on all of those. Mm-hmm. I know those other films made no money, oh yeah, at all. No, definitely not. But uh, John Gulliger is the director, and who's gone on to do a few things, stuff like that. But the writers, because this was also one of the years, instead of doing a writer director, they actually got let's get some writers and get a director and have them make this movie so it was uh, Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan who have gone on to well they wrote all the Feast films <laughs> and Piranha's 3 Double D and a spattering Jeez. of the Saw movies wow well, so they've had a solid working yeah career you know. look I wouldn't I wouldn't turn that down if that no. was offered to me no and the cast is ridiculously recognizable there's everybody in there almost you you may not know the names like Navi Rawat Krista Allen I love this name, Balthazar Getty. Oh, yeah. That's Balthazar an Getty. awesome name. I remember him well from uh, um, something. Lord of the Flies, oh, and well, he also right, yeah. was in a film, and I think it was Mulholland Drive, maybe? Oh. Uh, or Blue probably. Highway. I bet you it was Blue Highway. Lost Highway? Lost Highway. Okay. And Henry Rollins. Oh, that's right. I <laughs> forgot he was in it. He's got a great role in that. Oh, yeah. He plays a ineffective... Uh, what, they do this neat thing at the beginning, which I thought was really fun and clever, where they show the people, and then they pop up with a little description of each of the people, like right. hero, or and his was uh, Tony Robbins Light, an ineffective motivational speaker. Right. And Henry does a great job of 
giving really shitty inspirational speeches <laughs> in the movie and stuff. And it's got a great gag right at the beginning with the main hero f- figure who is, uh, for those of you that might actually be Grey's Anatomy watchers, it's uh, Mick Steamy shows up as the hero at the very beginning. I don't remember that <laughs> because wow. he is in it for like 30 I seconds. I remember that scene but I don't remember that being him. How yeah. funny. Yeah, I did I did I don't know if I knew who that was at the time but he shows up go oh, I know who this is. Huh. <laughs> I didn't pick it partially because I don't know. I just didn't want to. But it is definitely wow, worth cool watching. story, bro. Yeah, I know. I'm really into my deep <laughs> reasoning of stuff. Let me go into what are deep thoughts. I'll just throw out a couple of films then real quick that I thought about briefly, watched, and discarded. Um, One of them, because it was awful. One of them, because we had talked a little bit about it, and it's a great movie, Q, The Winged Serpent. Oh, yeah. That was my original choice. I watched it again, and I ended up loving it. And, of course, I watched it with with, uh, Joe Bob Briggs's... Oh, really? Yeah, he's got the commentary on it because that was one of his episodes this year. Nice. I like the thing I read about that, that that movie, what makes that movie, part of what makes that movie watch is Michael Moriarty is so real and so good in it. Well, he's always... He's always been great because his... uh, The cadence he speaks in feels like a... Well, I don't know if you know this about him. He's a musician. He's an accomplished jazz musician. And the way he speaks always feels like he's got a melody in his head that he's trying to keep time with. I can see that. That's really cool. And it just gives him a really interesting character. It's really interesting because I watched this and I'd forgotten completely that he was also the the gold panner in Pale Rider that Clint helps out. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot. Michael Moriarty. (laughs) Uh, Watched it again. Loved it, especially with Joe Bob's commentary and his little bits and all that. So I I would urge anyone who's not taking advantage of their Shudder subscription to watch Joe Bob Briggs' Last Drive-In because you can see this and It's Alive and a couple, Mm. I think the stuff even. So obviously he's a huge Larry Cohen fan. Then there's a couple of really recent movies on there, and I don't know. It's just a really fun show. But yeah. I decided not to do that because you had actually talked kind of heavily about Yeah, Yeah, Q. when I, I sort of did my discovery of Larry Cohen very late in my film-watching career. But right. Now I like him a lot. <laughs> but uh, the other one then, as I was digging through the, uh, the dregs of the <laughs> barrel on... Uh, Amazon Prime, I found oh, a movie man. called House Shark. <laughs> this this movie, isn't like a metaphor or anything, is it? Oh, no, no. It's, it's about a, a guy who's got a shark in his house. <laughs> and it, it's incredibly stupid. And I was trying to figure out, at the beginning, there's a babysitter, and she decides she's going to use the bathroom. She then gets naked. Of course. Walks into the bathroom. And I was thinking, you know, well, hey, I appreciate this, <laughs> but why now? And she gets eaten when the shark comes up from the toilet. <laughs> um, Hold on. You're saying this wasn't good? Well, actually, it was entertaining. Oh, okay, They're okay. doing all this on a budget of less than 10000 I think. All right. Uh, the acting is really shoddy. The photography is really bad. The effects are hilariously bad, but in a way that really endeared them to me. <laughs> but uh, so that scene, you know, was a little confusing. But then there was a scene with this guy and his son at the uh, table, and he's doing these movements with his hands and everything, and his son is starting to mimic the movements. And at one point, he starts picking his nose, and his son starts picking his nose, and I realized, 
all of these scenes are plays off of Jaws, and the girl getting naked was the girl getting naked to go skinny dipping at the beginning of Jaws. Oh, geez. And so there were a ton of scenes from Jaws in this film done for <laughs> comedy. Most of them were actually pretty solid. The only thing this movie really has going against it, it's not the minuscule to zero budget. <laughs> it's not the horrible acting. It's not the uh, fairly stupid dialogue. It is the fact that with all this going on, it is a two-hour movie. <laughs> so you're saying they copied a little too much it's, from Jaws. It's ridiculous in how long it is, and it makes it tiring to watch. After a while, you yeah. know, you're, you're watching this bad thing with chuckles, but you're like, okay, I, I've, I get it now, and I don't need to see it. Brevity is important when you're doing humor, especially yeah, playoff humor like that. <laughs> absolutely. So I passed on both of those films. I don't know if you've got something else you want to talk about or if we should. I got one more I think I'll throw in there that I watched. Monster or The Monster. It's 2016. Yeah, I've seen this one. Is that the with the girl and the mom, mom who gets and stuck in the house? in the car. Yeah, I mean. car. But yeah, I picked it. I was like, wow, Brian Bertino, who did The Strangers and Black Coat's Daughter. So I was like, all right, this looks good. It's um, slow. Yeah, that's the only problem because it actually is pretty good. But fuck, you know, it's called The Monster and you're trapped in a car with a monster around you. It does not take advantage of this premise at all. (laughs) It it could have been really, really good because the acting's all really good. When stuff happens, it's done really well. Yeah. Um, The monster looks cool. Yeah, the monster looks cool. The the problem is it was too much. It it overbalanced into the story of the mother and daughter and her horrible divorce. Right. The father she divorced. And I get what this was. You know, there's some... Some metaphors going on in this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Couple. And I get what they were doing, but sadly, the writing for all of that backstory was just not there. Not yeah. there for you to be interested enough to sit through it. Yeah. Play of the little doll that makes that, sings that song, that makes a noise. You got the stuffed animal that makes That's a noise. Right. Yeah. That where the orphanage had that great setup with the kids playing the game and then right. paid it off brilliantly right. this one has a kind of an annoying setup because it keeps <laughs> playing for a long time and then the payoff is just sort of a they, they pay it off more than once they do it a couple times yeah and like oh, that, that could in one of the places it would have worked really well if it hadn't already been done 10 minutes earlier so it's like god this is so close to being really really good that it's a little little frustrating because i really thought as far as filmmaking every aspect but the final edit <laughs> was uh, fairly well done. Just if you'd cut off some of that earlier stuff that wasn't working real well and rearrange some of the stuff that happens later on, I think it would have been pretty good. Right. So how about we take a little break, and when we return, we will jump into the topic this week, which is Creature Features. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host... 
Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Now, for every kid who has ever seen a science fiction movie, thrilled to the amazing strength of an out-of-this-world movie monster, comes Great Garlu by Marx. Garlu the Mighty. Garlu the Untamed. Garlu the Terrible. Who can stop him? Who can control this monstrous creature? You can, kids, because Great Garlu by Marx is yours to command. With these battery-operated controls, you can make Garlu go. Stop, bend, pick up, turn. Yes, Great Garlu, almost two feet tall, will be your faithful servant. You name it, you're the boss. Bring out-of-this-world excitement into your house, kids. Own the most fantastic toy of all. Great Garlu by Marx. M-A-R-X spells Mark's world's largest toy maker. We're back. And uh, this week, Eric, it was your choice, and you chose for our topic, Creature Feature. Yes, I did. After discussing all the ones we just did that were kind of also rands, I... Part of the reason I was sort of skirting around this one that I picked because I was kind of like, well, man... I want, do I want to be clever and cool or just pick something good? So it's You've like, never, ever been clever or cool, so, so I, I start now. So I just pick something good. <laughs> so I went with uh, Tremors. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. Where are these local boys? You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming. No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground. You didn't get penetration even with the elephant gun. Run, run. And no one knows what to call it. Mega worms or suckers or, or suckoids. Now this valley is just one long smorgasbord. Now it's up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do. Flip for it. Damn. Kevin Bacon. Fred Ward. Tremors. Okay, so 1990 Tremors, which uh, Rotten goes 85-75 on that, so fairly even with crowd and, and critics. It was an $11 million budget that did $48 million in the box office, so it was a huge hit yeah, for 1990. Nice. And I'm a little surprised that it was budgeted so low, yeah. $11 million, wow. When you watch it 
you, I could see how they could pull that off because realistically, they don't shoot at night. They never shoot at night. Everything's during the day. It's all more or less one, largely one location with a whole bunch of, with a couple sidebars. So yeah, but they do destroy a lot of stuff. I know. <laughs> so, so this was directed by Ron Underwood, who also did uh, City Slickers and Heart and Souls, and uh, he's had a really good career. It's just a lot of solid filmmaking. Works. Nice. This was his first feature. He'd uh, been working on TV shows and done some stuff like that, and, uh, but this was his first feature. This was before City Slickers? Wow. I guess so. Either that or I'm going to be doing your the same thing you did with Fail <laughs> Rider next time. It was written by kind of a guy with an unfortunate first couple initials, but S.S. Wilson. Huh. <laughs> but he's the writer of Heart and Souls and Short Circuit. Oh, okay. One and two. One, Short Circuit 2 indicates his ability to what he went on to write with Wild Wild West. Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, and his uh, writing partner is Brent Maddock, who wrote most of the stuff together. Starring many names you're definitely going to recognize. I'm not going to need to list a bunch of titles behind most of these, but Kevin Bacon, uh, Fred Ward, Finn Carter, Michael Gross, Reba McIntyre, Victor oh, Wong. I forgot Reba was in the yep. first one. As, yeah. as uh, Michael Gross's wife. Yeah, she's the, adorable. The survivalists. Right. <laughs> Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room kind of guy there. Uh, Victor Wong, also from Little Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China. Right. Tony Gennaro, Arian Richards, who was... Who I'm like, God, that, it's a little girl. I mean, she looks kind of familiar, which is weird. <laughs> you're watching a movie, you recognize a little girl, but she's the girl from Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's done a couple big creature feature right. films. And the basic storyline is they're out in the middle of the desert, and there's these two kind of handyman guys who just fix and do everything. Kind of, I've decided to leave town when they discover there's something under the ground. Kind of prevents them from leaving. We got to leave. We got to go. And then a septic tank explodes on you and decide, yep, time to go. <laughs> it has some fun. It actually has some fun, solid suspense, but it is definitely leans more towards a comedy. Yeah. Horror uh, comedy, I guess. You know, when, um, when you and I were going down to LA regularly and, and pitching for Sunset, you know, I had written a script that we were trying to get made that was, I guess you would call it horror comedy. I think no, it was no. more balls out horror with a couple of funny moments in it. Right. But everybody kept telling me, oh, I loved it. It reminded me of Tremors. And I had to admit that I had not seen <laughs> Tremors before. And so I did not see it until, when did we start doing that? 2006 or seven? Something like that. I didn't see Tremors until then. And I thought to myself, why the fuck have I not seen this movie? <laughs> It was, yeah, I actually love this movie a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Have you seen the six sequels now it has? Let me think. I have seen, I th I thought the fifth one was straight to Sci-Fi Channel? Probably, and the sixth one was a Netflix release. Oh. Which just came out, like, I think this year. Okay, I guess I have missed that. The... <laughs> Last two I saw were not very good. <laughs> Michael Gross is pretty much the connective tissue of all of them. There's kind of a, I guess in the first, kind of the irritating kid, the like mid-teenager kind of level boy who's sort of the pranks everybody, boy who cried wolf, stuff like that. He's through a bunch of them. I don't think I've seen any of them because uh, Fred Ward was in the second, but yeah. Kevin Bacon has been in none of them. I know, except that you saw <laughs> oh. that just recently where I, I guess they've shot something 
with Kevin Bacon in it, and he was oh, really? lobbying hard to to be in this next one. And then I don't know what happened; it just fell apart. Or there could be another one in the works. <laughs> I no, I think that he said, you know, hey, I tried to get it off the ground, and it's not happening. Ah, so strange. Yeah, weird when you got Kevin Bacon behind something. Yeah. And it's not like you know he he just came off of a what was his big show a couple of years ago on TV. Uh, the uh, serial killer hunter one. I yeah, can't think of the name of it. I keep but, wanting to uh, call it the following, but that's not yeah, that's it. 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 That oh, is, okay. That's it. Yep. That was actually pretty solid, and yeah. it, I thought that it kind of elevated him again. And yeah. then he did uh, X Men First Class, and so what? You're telling me he doesn't have the the star the power they need for a Tremors <laughs> sequel? <laughs> I think he does. You think so? Yeah. This one I started. I actually put on the latest one for about 15 minutes, and it's a. Uh, they're now in the Antarctic or something like that, traveling. So there's a big conversation between the scientists down there and Michael Gross, who's going, they, they live in the desert. There's no possible. Yeah, okay. But anyways, what one of the things I think this show does, movie does very well, is it kind of sets up a bunch of reluctant heroes. Yeah. You know, they're all kind of in denial until they... Don't, until it's pretty obvious that they're screwed. Yeah, and on top of it, they're all everyman's. Yeah. So, you know, they they don't want to deal with this. This is a huge pain in the ass on top of everything because it's <laughs> fucking with their livelihood. It's a simple place with, you know, what, four houses? It does a nice job, job of drawing heavily from Jaws. Yes. And uh, kind of Dune. The, uh, the design. <laughs> the, one, the one thing that I've always thought was a little weird the name graboids I'm like <laughs> it kind of makes me giggle but it's also kind of stupid <laughs> i think that's kind of the point, point of it yeah. <laughs> i mean they're not you know scientists right exactly <laughs> yes they grab you from their skirt <laughs> but what victor wong says it it sounds a lot better and they do a great suspense thing in there a low budget suspense trick where they're running, when they first really find one, the Fred and Kevin's characters first really encounter one, they're running along the street or on the, along the dirt with a fence next to them. When they pull down each fence post, That's right. as the creature is running behind him, it's like, that is so smooth. <laughs> it's so good. It's a, yeah, it's a very, I mean, it seems silly, but it's a very cinematic movie. Oh, There's really a lot is. of yeah. movement in it that really you know kind of puts you on the edge of your seat you were saying uh, that it's got solid suspense i would absolutely agree with that yeah a couple wonderful set piece moments like when they when he breaks into the guy, wrong goddamn rec room <laughs> that scene is just wild and they managed to make like you said all pretty much all the characters are likable even the annoying teenage kid is still fun when anything bad happens you're like oh man <laughs> that sucks i like that guy or that girl and Kevin Bacon just makes things fun. He's an underrated actor. Oh, yeah. I think that he's great, yeah. and I don't think he's ever really given the respect that he deserves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a few Kevin Bacon movies, I'm sure, are going to show up on this show at one time or another that, like, oh, man, should I do this one? No, not yet. I want to do this instead. But they're, they're going to show up. Well, that's funny you mention that, because my next choice is going to be messenger service movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So you can go so you can early, pick, Kevin Bacon. So you can pick Quicksilver. <laughs> so, anyways, yes, go check out Tremors because it is a lot of fun. I have no recommendation for any of the sequels because I have watched none of them. I think the second one is okay. <laughs> is it okay? Because Fred Ward's pretty damn yeah. good too. Well, actually, they're all pretty good. It's just 
I don't hold a lot of interest in seeing. It's not like Hellraiser where I managed to torture myself watching <laughs> every one just for that few moments of what might be good. Weren't they trying to do a Tremors TV show? They Maybe did a Tremors TV show, and I think that like I thought that fifth movie was either hmm, was it either the backdoor pilot for the TV mm. series because yeah. the series was That's on right. Sci-Fi. Yeah. What whatever it was, it managed to grab a lot of the actors from the film and the series and put them together in that film, in that fifth one. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm saying that wrong. Maybe it's the sixth one. No, you said no, the sixth one the sixth is one. Netflix. Yeah. No. No. Like I said, we like, both really like the first film, but definitely is not a what a, a world <laughs> one that we have to watch everything that comes out from it. What did you have, sir? Well, unlike you, um, I try to actually give our listeners something new that maybe they haven't <laughs> ever heard of. But I see how you play this game, which is you want to put the smallest amount of work into this. Oh, I wish that was how it worked out. (laughs) With that in mind, I chose a little movie from 2008 called Splinter. I think I'm going to like camping. She looks not right. Well, what do you want to do? Turn it off. Get in the car. Pull over. Hello? Hello? Oh, sorry, I didn't... Nice. That's a good one, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Splinter was directed by Toby Wilkins, who uh, he directed The Grudge 3 and a couple episodes of Teen Wolf. Ah. It was written by Ian Shore and Kai Berry, and I looked at their stuff, and there's there's nothing else. Oh, really? There. Yeah, there, there's uh, nothing, huh. nothing that you'd be interested in. Some short film stuff, and that's it could not find any budget information and it only has a box office of $500,000. That's probably why those writers may not have worked much again. (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell how much this thing costs. You know, it is very much a low budget film. It certainly costs more than $500,000. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 74%. The audience only has it at 49%. And I'm not sure why that is because it's a really cool little creature feature. It's basically, it's a young couple who are on vacation. Uh, their car breaks down, and they uh, try to help somebody else. And that person turns out to be the girlfriend of a convict who has <laughs> escaped. And so they get kidnapped, and they get then taken to this gas station where this this creature, it's basically called a splinter creature in yeah. the script, but I don't think that it is supposed to be anything that, 
gets any kind of explanation, which are my favorite monster movies. I don't need to know the origin of this monster. Just show me the monster, have everybody act realistically, and I will buy into this stuff. Um, They get trapped in the gas station, and it's, it's a weird parasite that takes over your body and starts splintering you. These black spikes start growing yeah. out of you and if it if something breaks off of you uh, it then starts growing these black spikes spikes and can become its own little monster it's really kind of scary in parts the effects are pretty fucking solid um, well before I get to that it stars okay. Shay Wiggum uh, you know <laughs> from this the Simpsons guy. yep <laughs> you know this guy actually from a bunch of things he's just got a really great face but he was the boss FBI agent in Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. And I love him. He plays the, the the convict. And then it's got Jill Wagner, who was in the Blade series. She was in Teen Wolf, the TV series, and Stargate Atlantis. And Paolo Costanzo, who was in yeah. The Expanse. Blade series. I thought that was kind of an underrated series. I did, too. Yeah. I, I like that a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I own that. I should watch that again. It's almost a zombie movie, I guess, because the thing takes over these creatures and they don't have a mind of their own anymore they're dead when it takes them over and it just moves them around to get to its next victim basically oh yeah i could see that so it's a it's a lot more intimate because there's only this one creature that's kind of got them trapped in this gas station it has quite possibly the most horrific amputation scene ever i will say it's it's here, it's a toss-up between this scene or the one in the ruins where they have to break the bones and then amputate. Well, they got to do that in this one, too. And it's it's a rough fucking scene. I found myself kind of covering my eyes. <laughs> um, Take it, make it stop. Yeah, and the creature itself is just super unique and original looking. Uh, it crawls around on top of the gas station and along the walls of the gas station and everything. And so they're trying to figure out how they're going to make a break yeah. to the car which is outside the gas station and then it becomes apparent that this thing sees by heat because it doesn't use the eyes or anything of the creature it's inhabiting and it's it's like a single cell amoeba kind of thing anyway so it just can sense where you are so there's um a little of that stuff that we have seen in like predator where arnold covers himself up (laughs) well they do the same thing kind of in in a scene where they get themselves in the freezer Bury themselves in mud. <laughs> right, right. And they get themselves cold enough that this thing can't see oh, them. Yeah. I love it. I'm not sure why it did so poorly. I'm not sure why the audience doesn't love it. And I'm also not sure how come we've never seen a sequel because it ends, you know, with basically a uh, color out of space kind of yeah. shot where, you know, this is just the beginning of whatever this thing going on is. I remember liking this one a lot. It's definitely one of those that uh, was underappreciated when it came out and then I because I know I didn't see it in theater no and I wonder uh, you know with just 500,000 I didn't even see a trailer for it so I'm guessing it got a very limited release in you know LA and New York well worth seeing that's a that's a good film I told you what I was the other ones I was thinking of how shark and the uh cue the wing sir I I do have another (laughs) movie but I'm going to save that for the next episode so I think then that it's Oh, it's my choice. Yes, it is. Okay. I've got something uh, up my sleeve, too, because I wanted to do this for a while. I want to do vampire movies, but it has to be pre-1985 so that you can't pick Fright Night or Lost Boys or any of these huge movies that we're all super familiar with. 
Sounds good to me. So that's you guys' homework. Uh, figure out your favorite vampires pre-85 and uh, chime in. Let us know. Yeah. We really appreciate hearing from you. Appreciate all of the, uh, the kind words and the reviews and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Love how much you guys are telling everybody to check us out. If go to the website, Instagram, you know, go to our Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, whatever your choice is, and send us. Well, I guess on Instagram would be a poster, <laughs> but send us ideas of what vampire movies you think are great for 1985. Yeah, I don't want to come off as like an old fogey or anything, but a fucking Instagram man, I am having a hard <laughs> time with this thing. You know, John Fulton has been doing some uh, sketch work for the new film, and. He sends me something, and I try to post it on Instagram, and he's like, that that looks just like a wrist now because you don't know the format of Instagram. And I, I was like, you mean people can't just click on the picture and it shows the whole thing? And he's like, no, Grandpa Young, that's not how it works. But anyway, I, I trust that our listeners are smarter than me and will check us out on Instagram and all that good stuff and then come back in one week and talk pre-85 vampires. Yeah. See ya. See ya.